everyone. This is Charlie Levine, and you're listening to the Angler's Journal podcast, brought to you by Angler's Journal magazine. Um, if you're looking for a, a bit of a different fishing magazine that really puts an emphasis on storytelling and dramatic imagery and beautiful photography, we really welcome you to check out Angler's Journal. Zip over to anglersjournal.com and pick up a subscription. And our magazine would not look the way it looks without our photographers. And the gentleman we're about to talk to today is frankly one of the best, Mr. Tom Lynch. How the hell are you, buddy? Good, Charlie. Thanks for having me on. Love, love, love the magazine. Oh, well, we love your work and it's yeah. fun to work with you. It's just, uh, I think we're we're of the same tribe, you know, I, we get along really well and it's just, uh, it's easy working with you, man. Yeah, I agree. You guys seem to use imagery in there that is different from what everybody else does. And it tends to be the stuff that I love that I gear myself towards. So it's a really nice match. Yeah. You know, so I grew up in the Northeast, but I'm down here in Florida. And man, you just when it comes to beach photography, your your stuff is is so impactful and just dynamic and and especially at the end of this year, you were you were crushing it, man. You were lighting up my phone like every day. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Tell us tell us about this striper blitz you witnessed. Yeah, it was a, a great run we had in Jersey this year. Um, you know, every year is different here. And this year, a lot of the old timers are saying is one of the best we've ever had. And the progression of this, the run was pretty incredible. In early October, we had this first blast. It was almost like different invasion. Like there were armies of bass coming in. And the first army of bass that came into our region in Jersey this year it was in early October, which was a little earlier than normal, but these were massive, like bison, huge bass that came in uh, on adult bunker. And I'm talking 40, 50 pound plus fish. Damn. Pouring in. And they took the, their migration route this year was they came in tight to the beach, meaning not exactly on the surf all the time, but in our neck of the woods, we always heard about the fish, that would be passing by past three miles out. And this year it seemed like they swung in on us. So this first blast of fish came through in early October and the bunker schools, you know, you had 14 inch bunker out there just getting decimated by these big bass. And you'd see these whitewater explosions, you know, 100, 200 yards out of these massive bass coming in and just causing sheer panic in the bunker schools. And from a photographic, like, looking at it photographically it was really dynamic because you had fish flying out of the air and massive bass on them so it was a frustrating first bite because they weren't always coming in tight to the beach and i'm talking about the surf but they were just so big and like old timers were looking at saying i've never seen fish like this in the fall in the spring we used to get it but not in the fall so this first wave came through and quite a few guys scored some pretty giant fish along the beach the boat guys cleaned up and I just want to jump in here and say, really love the slot limit that we have along the coast because all those big fish would Protected. have been on the and toast. Instead, they all yeah. went back, which is just yeah. great. So not to pontificate on that, but this first blast of fish came through. And then we had a lull after that for a couple of weeks. And on the, you know, the talk on the beach was, oh no, is that it? Is it over? Was that, was that it? And it wasn't. Like basically the first week of November, this next wave of fish came in, this next army. And 
the sheer number of these fish was incredible. And they were mostly on peanut bunker. So peanut bunker tended to hug pretty tight to the beach. So the surf guys just had a field day catching these fish. And for me, again, on a photographic point of view, it was very visual because the peanut bunker are in tight and flying out of the water. The bass are jumping out. Uh, just some really cool stuff going on. Yeah, the photos you got, you know, like stripers surfing the waves, chasing bait, um, and just the frenetic nature of it. And it didn't look like in the beginning there was a ton of guys out there, but then it sounds okay. like everybody kind of got in on it. I mean, it doesn't take long for the word to get out. No, word got out big time. Uh, and you're right, in the beginning, there were some days where I have some drone shots of bass on the beach, big bass, destroying bunker peanut bunker right you know basically on the sand and there's no human beings in the shots that's so and, cool and then after a while that became kind of an impossible shot to get because word got out and we had our own army <laughs> you had the mass mm -hmm. armies out in the water and then you had the army of fishermen that was just trying to get on these things as much as they could and, and how does how do those guys all get along together the sea of humanity that shows up on the beach Pretty good within reason. I think when the blitzes are on and, you know, you have these, you know, these visual blitzes, um, you almost have to, you got to check your head sort of and not, and realize that the normal etiquette of fishing isn't going to happen around you, even though you want it to. Um, you're going to, like, there was one situation where I was unhooking a fish and I was having trouble getting the hook out and I was in a hole all alone and I had fish blowing up and it was probably a, a couple minutes to get the hook out. It was a bad hook. I got him back in. But by the time I looked around, there was like 40 guys in the hole around me. I was like, where did they all come from? I was like, they parachuted in. <laughs> um, but yeah, the crowds were a factor as mm -hmm. it seems like they are a lot. But there were times when you could get ahead of the bite or go away from the, the, the big epicenter where things were happening and still get on fish without a million people on you. And was it, you know, were the bass and the bunker, was it active night and day or was it more of a? It was more of a daytime bite. I had one night, which was a lights out night, but that was the only great night I have. And the reality is the day fishing was so good that most of us would yeah. get our fill during the day and go home and sleep and rest up for your next, whatever you had going on the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Those all-nighters, those all-nighters beat you up. Yeah. And I had one great night and then I went back on the same tide to the same spot because it's set up. It wasn't like a bunker bite. It felt like a small bait bite because I was casting into this one point, like the edge of a sandbar and every cast, it was getting lit up and this went on the whole tide. So I said like, Oh my God, that might be sand eels. So I went back the next night, got one hit the whole night. The one hit kept me going for a couple more hours, but it just never, never materialized. So how so do you just, daytime thing. okay, I, I mean, obviously you love to fish. So how do you decide when to pick up the fishing rod and when to pick up the camera? Like, or do you, do you have the camera hanging around your neck while you're. Yeah, it's, that's a great question. And the reality is I have morphed in that respect. In the past, I used to bring them both with me and Bob Popovic's fly fishing, you know, Bob. Uh, taught me a very valuable lesson. And he said, basically, do one or the other, or are you going to do both bad? Mm. And I took that to heart. So basically, I would have all my equipment with me in my truck everywhere I go. 
And judging by if it was going to be a visual bite, if the peanuts were going to be flying out of the water and it was going to be stuff that I wanted to photograph, then my I would have my camera. I was I would carry a rod with me, but that rod would usually end up getting put in the sand and not taken out too much during the really cool stuff where you had acres of bass blown up on peanuts. Like to me, that's stuff I want to capture. Yeah. And they both give me thrills, but I think that I get more of a thrill at this point in my life out of capturing a, a bass coming out broadside on the side of a wave than I do catching that bass. I know so, that feeling. I know that feeling. And it's, you've obviously caught your fair share, but to get that really cool new photo, it's, I would imagine a little more fresh. Yeah. And it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. And getting the, not getting too deep in the technical side, but getting shooting fish jumping out of the water is difficult. Like oh, yes, <laughs> it doesn't. They don't give you much of a heads up. No, you can't say like, "Hey, do me a favor, jump over there where the light's really no, good, no. and you know I've got this perfect foreground and all that." No, they they no, just they go. They don't do that, and I tend to end up swearing a lot. Oh, so. that's. But you always seem to get it, so I guess it's probably just putting in the time, right? I I do, I lock in and get myself in the mode, and um look i'm going i'm trying to figure out where i'm going to get that shot along the beach and, and trying not to get anybody's way and you had to close your shop quite a bit towards yeah. the end of the year there yeah no yeah during shopping season during christmas season uh well this will put it in perspective not this year but the year before we had a, a beautiful blitz going on on um black friday the biggest shopping day of the year and i didn't open <laughs> i stayed out and fished all day and shot Wow, you've got your priorities straight. I like it. Well, I also have to get the shots to yeah, put them on the that, wall in the gallery. So That makes sense. Now, there was this really famous Thanksgiving blitz, right? What was that, 2019? Is that right? Well, you're thinking of 2016. 2016. Yeah, that was the uh, Thanksgiving Day massacre. Okay. So how does what we what you guys witnessed this year compare to that one? They were different. I think that year, if you took a single day, I don't know that anything we saw this year in a single day was as good as what I saw on the single day of Thanksgiving in 2016. That was rather than having a hundred yards of bass of a hundred yards of um, peanut bunker on the beach at one time, like we had this year, and then you'd have a break and then you'd have another say 50 yards of, peanuts on the beach that year it just seemed like on that day in thanksgiving that there were literally hundreds and hundreds of yards if not miles of peanut bunker pushed up on the beach at one time so in terms of a single day from what i saw i don't know that anything was better this year than that single day however the 2022 run was much better overall than 2016 16 just had that really stellar wow. moment and a couple other mother with it but that that 16 i mean i i reached out to your magazine on thanksgiving night and said you gotta see what happened here <laughs> so now those photos you got the amount of bait in the water um if anyone listening wants to check it out if you go to um anglersjournal.com and or angryfishgallery.com tom's uh gallery site the images, the waves are just fish. It's like you could walk across it. It was crazy, the amount of life in the water. 
there were days that Thanksgiving day when I was, I shot some wide angle shots where I waded out into the water, like waist deep. And I was literally stepping on bunker. Like there, I'm convinced there was more bunker in the water than water. <laughs> like on the inside, <laughs> pretty unbelievable. That is crazy. And so has that bite, it seems like it's getting a little later in the season or has it always been this way? No, the old timers will tell you that it's shifted. You know, your October has almost become a little bit of a non-factor. Now, this year we had those tanks come through early, but then it lulled for a bit. Uh, but it does seem like the whole thing is pushed back a little deeper. Now it seems like November, December is your time. And the guys had bites when the weather wasn't beating us up with nor'easters. Uh, this bite went basically most of November, all of November, and then into deep into December, except it got shut down towards the end because of a couple storms. Okay. And you, you mentioned weather. I'm sure that plays a role too, right? As they come in on certain, um, you know, storms or wind direction or something. Yeah, our big wind direction here for the bunker bites is west. Although there were also days where south is usually our death wind, meaning nothing good's going to happen on a south. And they, I, I was in working one day and I know it, they were crushing it on the beach with big fish mm. on a south, the beginning of a pretty big blow. So some of the rules that a lot of us, I guess there's no rules, <laughs> you know, but something like a south wind generally, if I see south, I'm like, all right, it's a day to do something else. But this year, they had a couple of times where the souths were actually the good days, which is okay. rare. Well, you definitely put your time in and, you know, we got some incredible imagery and, and you're doing more with the drone now. And you got some video footage of a really large school of bait and a big school of bass. And it was so weird the way the bass were behaving. I don't know if they were just full, but they weren't like super fired up. It seemed more methodical in that footage you shot. It was really unlike anything I'd seen. I agree that for me, it was very eye-opening. And what I found by watching that was that if a school of bunker was, say, traveling south, and on the beach, you'd be looking at that bunker pushing south with sporadic splashing, you know, blow-ups right in the school. But what you wouldn't see from the beach was that the for hundreds of yards behind it to the north, trailing along leisurely, were hundreds, if not thousands, of bass. And those bass what the drone pointed out what it taught me was those bass that are trailing behind that pushing school of bunker are picking up all the stragglers. So if I see a, what I learned is that if I see a school pushing one way, I'm going to cast behind it mm -hmm. rather than try to go into it. But that I never saw it. And you're right. They weren't in a hurry. Like the fish just seemed like they were cruising behind it. Yeah. And then they would get up, they would work their way in almost like a conveyor belt. And then it's, light up in, inside the bunker school. Like they were almost working together, which a lot of different types of fish will kind of work together, but, or take turns, or it seems yeah. a little more systematic. You're right. There was no urgency is what I saw. Like it was so different to me from my perception of what I had always seen on the beach to what the reality of was going on behind it. And I don't know if that was just an episodic thing where that was that particular day mm. that that was happening or if that's the way it always is. So yeah, because it's also a fresh, that was a fresh bunch of fish that had just pushed into our area. And that was hmm. pretty unreal. 
I think the, you know, normally it's like, especially when you're on a boat, you see, if you see a big blow up, your instinct is you just hammer the motor and you fly over there as fast as you can and you throw something right into the middle. Yeah. And it, good opportunity to spook the whole thing and destroy it and yeah, well. screw it all up. So this, I, it is, I think you have to have a little bit more composure or something and not get super riled up was sort of what it was telling me. No, it was cast behind it. The, the drone opened up and I'm still figuring out the whole drone. I have one floating out in the bay. <laughs> well, that's not good. <laughs> no, that was done. And I'm pretty sure that a uh, Bayman, a uh, crabbing operation got my drone because they posted a picture of a, uh, of a drone, just like I lost at Barnegat Bay that they had netted up. So maybe oh, it was no. actually found. Uh, <laughs> sorry. But it's cool to get that bird's eye view. And we, we ran one really great photo you got where you can see the cast kind of over the school of fish and the popper working back towards the beach. And it's just a really cool perspective. Yeah. If I remember, there's a, like a half a dozen fish that are just off that the lure is going to pass through. And it, they didn't hit it. it oh, did, God. They let it go by. Yeah, they didn't like it. They let it go. Frustrating. <laughs> so. Yeah, but it's pretty cool to see that. And it's just a totally different perspective. And there were days where I watched guys walk right by fish that were cruising by them to go somewhere else. Like I could see it going on from up above. Hmm. And they, it's so hard to see like what's going on in the water. Like if they're not making any commotion and you're not looking, you're not going to see them, but they're right there. I was yeah. amazed at how close a lot of these schools came along the beach like one night, I, I right at dusk, I saw a little commotion in the water. So I said, let me put the drone up rather than walk because I'm getting lazy. And I put the drone up and I flew it over. And there was, I'm going to say, well over a mile long bass just cruising right along the side of the beach that you would never have known were there. But they, there they were. And there were some giant fish mixed in with them. I, yeah, I have regrets about not running down with the rock that night. I mean, when there's that amount of bait in the water it's it doesn't surprise me that the fish are so big and and that's a nice thing to see because you know not to get in the weeds about striped bass status but they're they're not what they used to be the fish used to be much bulkier and they now they're like really long and skinny on occasion and these fish looked fresh and healthy yeah we had such a mix of fish and a lot of the old timers saying that they haven't seen a fall run like this like typically in jersey like the past 15 years you had not counting this year you'd have in the spring big fish on bunker come up like those were all big 20 30 40 50 pounds and then the fall was mostly smaller fish not those big monsters and this year we just had a real mix of everything except for real little ones hmm. which a lot of times you get like your 18 inch push and we didn't really have that this year that's wild. And I mean, is it totally shut down now or are there still some stragglers around? I think there's some stragglers still around. Uh, about a week ago, I had friends that were out and did okay, still running up some double digit days and not all tiny fish. But now I, th I think you could probably stick a fork in it. Yeah. So we're recording this in j early January, but um well, let's talk about how you got into the whole photography world, Tom, if you don't mind. Um, when was the first time you got into shooting? Uh, I became fascinated with 
film and photography young. My dad took me to a movie in the late 60s when I was probably five or six years old. And I don't even remember what the movie was. I think Steve McQueen was in it. But before the movie, I had never seen a movie. Like the lights went down in the movie theater and up on the screen came a water shot of Pipeline out in Hawaii, surfing spot. That was the first thing I ever saw on a movie theater. And I swear that impacted me. That's why I'm obsessed with fish and waves and waves. So from an early age, I loved the visualness of it. Then I got my first real camera in about 1978, which was a Canon AE-1. And I lived right near a reservoir, so I would go up and shoot there. And then I went to college. I got a fine arts degree. Uh, and I was really more video than anything else. But it was all about mechanics and, you know, the technical side of it and composition and, and shooting. So I started, I followed that path. But then... I never took my foot out of the photography and film world and video world, but I did work like real jobs, but I always dabbled heavily beyond dabbling, almost like part-time job doing video. And then eventually got real heavy into stills. Didn't um, you work in advertising too? I did. I worked in sports marketing and then also print advertising. Uh, I worked with a company out in San Diego that put on major running events and I used to do should they put on Fox Sports? Um, they would televise their, run, their running events on Fox Sports. So I would do some of the camera work for that, which was really pretty cool, like being on the back of motorcycles. And by the way, you're not holding on to anything. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. When you're shooting on the back of the motorcycle, you're looking backwards, holding the holding you know, on to your camera. Yeah. And you're the only thing holding you on is your feet on the foot pegs. Wow. Yeah. But. <laughs> but this draw of the ocean and the the weather too like your lightning and, and bad weather photos are just awesome yeah i have a minor obsession with waves lightning and fish i've minor. yet to get all three of them together i get two of them together but i don't know if lightning and fish are gonna go too well but yeah i love shooting the lightning and we i haven't gotten any really good lightning for a couple of years but every now and then it lines up and I put myself on it. So how patient do you have to be to get those, those images? I would imagine you got to really just kind of find a good spot and hunker down. Yeah. On the lightning side, on the storm side, you, you almost got to be a junior weather chaser uh, and try to put yourself in the right spot. Cause that's to me, the most important part. And I guess it's just like fish. If you're shooting fishing, you got to be where the fish are. And then the patience element of it, I sat on a rock this year for five hours to get one shot of a uh, false albacore jumping. And I finally got him. And if you've ever sat on a jetty rock for five hours, you know, they're not very comfortable. <laughs> so, so I have this incredible amount of patience when it comes to shooting. Um, like I never like to bring people with me when I shoot mm -hmm. because they're going to go nuts. Like after three hours, not getting something, I'm just getting into it and they, they want to get out. Yeah, so patience there aren't enough patience for much else in my life, but it shows in your work though. It's not, you know, a lot of the stuff we get submitted to the magazine, especially from newer photographers. It's so like um, over photoshopped and messed with, and it's like, whereas you know, a veteran guy with a really good eye like yourself, it's like. You don't have to really mess with it. The nature, the I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It just shows in your work. It, it You have such a good eye. Thanks. I appreciate that. 
I try to get different perspectives that haven't been gotten before. I light up. I love looking at my pictures. <laughs> well, that's good because what is your stock like? What, how many images do you have in your stock, you think? Uh, a lot. Uh, I have multiple, multiple large terabyte drives. Um, you know, you're talking 100,000 plus, yeah. depending. Tons doubt. of different subjects. Uh, it's a lot. And the the crazy thing is I really have a bad memory, a ridiculously bad memory, except when it comes to my photography. I can look at a picture and I know exactly the day, not necessarily the date number, but I know the day I can find them. And it, it, they take me back real strong. Like I, I remember them very, like people come in the gallery looking for things and like, do you have a shot of a, a dune with a blue sky and a cloud on the right hand side? And I'm like, yeah, I got that. So and I remember everything. It. Yeah, I can find it. I have a, a whole technique I do to keep everything because it's visual. You know, like my, I'm, I I have a whole technique of using different websites where I can find any shot I'm looking for. That's so, good. I mean, I don't, I don't shoot like you do, but I'm so disorganized with all this stuff. You know, I've been shooting fish and dabbling for for a long time too and it's like god i know i have this shot and sometimes it'll take me hours and hours to find it and then but i would imagine for what you do you can't waste that kind of time you gotta be able well to i waste a lot of time in the in the gal like working here late at night doing photo editing i can get locked in and just go off on a tangent and like this year this fall i shot a lot of pictures and some of the subtleties in the pictures are what I'm looking for. It might be a fish deep back within a wave that I didn't even know was there. So I find myself going through pictures a lot and looking at seemingly benign kind of misses that sometimes are hits. And you miss a lot in this when you're shooting fish. It's the reality. So you're not like deleting stuff right off your camera when you're out there? You hang on to no, it so you can... I do. I learned a lesson a long time ago that you don't delete your pictures because if any picture it just seems like whenever i have deleted them somebody wants one like i i just storage is not free at this point but it's pretty cheap mm -hmm. like you can now get massive ter like 12 terabyte drives so it's not like it's costing you a lot of money to keep photos that aren't a plus or whatever so i tend to just keep everything and then take all my selects out and gotcha. put it and put them into more obvious places and the the hardware the cameras have gotten pretty amazing what do you shoot these days i i have a number of different cameras i shoot uh, i shoot mostly sony's right now uh, but i do have three old film cameras i use medium format a couple 35s which i bust out sometimes i also rent cameras just to test them out like i got a nikon coming that i i want to i want to see what nikon's doing yeah the reality is for what we shoot you know when you're dealing with water it's one of the hardest things for an autofocus system to comprehend because without getting too technical, you're at your, your autofocus systems look for, for hard edges, like square lines and rectangles. They don't look for round, which is what water is. So focusing systems have a lot of trouble getting them. So there's a whole technique you got to use to, to try to get your stuff in perfect focus, which doesn't always happen, but. So do you use manual? Sometimes, yeah. It, it depends. If you're using a real long lens and you're in tight, sometimes your focal range might only be a few inches. 
Wow. Yeah. And it, when you have a moving fish that's say coming out of a wave, you don't know where that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty hard. It's it, the, the, the situation is what dictates how I do my focusing. So you're not out there with your iPhone. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> so many people ask me, can I send you photos from my iPhone? I'm like, yeah, I'll look at them, but there's a good chance they won't be able to go in the magazine. Yeah, they're getting better. At some point, they're going to put me out of business. But No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I really don't. I, what you do is pretty amazing. And um, so tell tell us about Angry Fish Gallery. Why did why did you name it that? I've, I've always wondered. Great question. Yeah, it's named after two of my favorite species of fish, which are perpetually angry, and that would be a mako shark and a bluefish. And I just love those two species. I love watching them. I love shooting them. I love catching them. And I, there's just something about those two species that struck such a note with me that I named the gallery after it because I love shooting them. And I just think they're, I don't know, like the, seeing a Mako come out of the water. It's one of the most exciting things. Oh yeah. They're, see, especially a big one. They'll so, freaking air out. I've yeah. seen them destroy spreader bars just from underneath. Just whoosh. It's unbelievable. And then on the other end of that, the bluefish, a 20 pound bluefish to me on light tackle is about as exciting as it gets on light tackle. Like, they're just these horribly angry fish and they jump. And then they, when you try to, when you get them in, they try to bite you. you mm-hmm. know? They're completely out of control. And I love the way both those fish spend a lot of time above the water when you hook them. Yeah. Completely out of control. That's fun. Yeah. So that's how the gallery got its name. And I have people coming in here sometimes thinking it's a sushi bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. And when did you, when did you first open the gallery or how did you decide to, to do that? Uh, it was just a natural progression and I opened it about seven years ago and I opened it up in Point Pleasant, which is a really cool beach town here in Jersey. And yeah, it's been really nice. That's great. And is it just your work in there? Do you work with other artists and photographers? I'm the only photographer, except I have, it's myself and a guy named Fernando Almada. And I have one picture of his in here, but it's a really wild picture. It's um, a 35 foot orca chasing a 35 lure sport fisherman down in the Sea of Cortez. I've seen that photo. I think we ran that in Marlin Magazine a long time ago. Such a badass picture. It's like so, right in the wake, right? Yeah, it's like basically got his snout up on the on the back of the boat. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and then I have about a dozen painters, drawers, sculptors in here as well. And they're they're all artists that I work with. The vast majority are New Jersey coastal artists, uh, and a lot of it. My my artists range from brand new to extremely established. That's great. And it's all just coastal. And I won't even look at somebody to come in here unless they are coastal to the core. Like, I don't want somebody who paints mountains and horses to think they can paint waves and dunes and get in here to make money. Like, I want people that live the life and are completely married to coastal, you know, art. art. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I hope to get up there one of these days. And um, But you still do a ton of editorial stuff. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're you're great to work with, and I I see your stuff all over the place. Yeah, I love working with the magazines, and as I said right at the beginning of this, you guys like 
hit my taste on the head. And I remember the first time I saw this magazine, I was like, whoa, that's a coffee table magazine. <laughs> that's what I like. And I love the fact it's not a grip and grin magazine. Yeah. Yeah, we try we try to not do too too much of that, but sometimes even those shots are pretty cool. But yeah. once in a while. Every now and then. And and you know, it's you're always like one of the first guys I call when I'm looking for an interesting striped bass shot, or you you actually went out and um did a photo shoot for us on what river was it where you were out there? With, that uh, was up on the upper Susquehanna. And it was uh guys that were catching smallmouths drift fishing for smallmouths which i want to go do next year yeah that looks that fun cool yeah it was so relaxing just on these kind of big rowboats yeah big <laughs> drift boats chilling oh yeah it was it was such a peaceful day of fishing i could see getting a couple guys and getting three of those boats and having a competition so you could rack up the most smallmouths during a day but yeah, and it must. Day. Is it nice for you to get away from the beach every now and again and shoot something a little different? Or absolutely, yeah. Just keep it mixed up. No question. Yeah, that was a good trip. I actually really enjoyed that. They were good guys, and the scenery was. It was something I'd never done before. I never drift fished before ever, so to to get exposed to that was eye opening to me. But I found it incredibly relaxing. It was in the the fall twenty two issue. Yeah, that was written by Michael Carr, another Jersey guy. This was like the Jersey issue, actually. We also <laughs> ran a a my boat, my life of Eric Kerber. That guy's <laughs> got the rock star hands pumping in that photo. But there's some great fishing up in Jersey. Do you think Jersey gets a bad rap by some of these um, non Jersey traveling anglers? probably deserved <laughs> you think i feel yeah. like jersey guys are usually pretty proud of being jersey guys yeah we like our i like i listen i lived in san diego for 15 years and i made a conscious decision to move back to jersey and it was simply because of places like island beach state park and those fish in particular i think my mind when i made my decision to move back here it was basically because of a bluefish blitz i was on and i was like i'm not leaving this that's cool. So like most people think, what are you crazy to move from San Diego back to Jersey? And the reality is Jersey's pretty good. It is. It gets, you know, it's same with like New York for people not from that area. You say, oh, I'm from New York. And they just automatically assume you're from the city. But it's a massive state with a lot of different areas. And same with Jersey. Like my dad used to go hunting for deer in Jersey, you know. And all we have lots of things. Um, and we ran a story about Long Beach Island recently, and that's a pretty unique place too. Yeah, I used to vacation there as a as a kid. I got bit by an eel. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I caught a, I caught an eel, and he bit. I was like six. You know, he bit me on. He bit me. That's too funny. <laughs> and I was legend for that though. Yeah, that gets you some good street cred. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Tom, for for taking the time and for keeping us updated on that blitz. It was so fun. I felt like I was almost there the way you were sending me stuff, you know, constantly. It was great. Yeah, it was cool. Like, I, it was neat to get in after a day and be like, oh, I got to reach out to Charlie. I got something for him. Oh, yeah. Next year, if it happens again, I'm just going to book a ticket and come up and, and fish. I mean, it seems like everybody was catching fish. There was guys fly fishing in the suds. They were catching fish. Boats were catching fish. It was just yeah. nonstop. There were some dream days there. 
like my some of the days where you had crystal clear waves breaking with bass shooting through them and like literally sight fishing is i are it's probably my favorite single thing to do on the fishing side mm-hmm. and i had a lot of opportunities to do that this year you actually i was pulling my lures away from small ones to try to catch them pretty cool place to be yeah that's wild and there's just something i think more rewarding about catching a big fish from like standing on your own two feet on the sand or rocks no question it doesn't happen much and this i think that's why the striped bass is such a cool fish you know because there's such a wide range and and they can get big and they like you said they were right there yeah and they're uh, there's something about bass too that they're a very handsome fish for lack of a better term like they're a good-looking fish uh, you get them in and there you look at them and you're wow that's cool then you let them go and you release yeah. directly well and i'm glad that uh like you said, that slot limit's in place and those big breeders are going back out to do their thing. That's a good deal. No yeah, that's all, every one of them. They'd all be dead if that wasn't the case. You know, they'd be on the deck. So Yeah, no, we don't want that. We don't want that. So no. let them go and uh, we'll get Tom out there to take pictures of them. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> awesome, buddy. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, I'll be bugging you again soon, I'm sure, for some more yeah. photos. I'll be sending an email later today, so. thanks for having me i appreciate it oh and for everyone who wants to check you out it's just angryfishgallery.com right yeah that's i have two sites i have angryfishgallery.com and then i have a pure photo site that's angryfish.tv like television and that's just pictures you can go look at and buy if you want yeah get out there look at tom's stuff pick up angler's journal you're bound to see more of it there and uh hopefully next year i'll be right there with you all right look forward to it Thanks, Tom. Thanks a lot, Charlie.